1: Fantasy football projections on the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast on RotoViz Radio.
2: What's up, RotoViz?
1: All right, welcome back, friendly listeners dedicated listeners it is week eight of the nfl season and man we're past the halfway point of the fantasy football regular season every matchup just so crucial so vital uh and we're going to go through the week eight game level similarity projections um this is very useful part of our start sit uh, process uh for for the teams that dave and i co-manage i mean we've got a couple ffpc main event teams that we're co-managing um, and I mean, th- this is a discussion for us every single week. So the GLSP, as we refer to them, uh, it's just using some historical data from, you know, 50 similar type matchups, uh, for players who are similar to the subject player. And, you know, it's a, just one way to use data to, to help make informed decisions. These are not specific to the player. They're specific to player profiles. So it's kind of cool. Um, and yeah, it's been a lot a lot of success. We went two for three uh on the um deadly decisions we had to make last week, Dave. So, you know, hoping we can have a winning record on that. Again, this week, just as a reminder before we kind of dive in, uh, this week in week eight, only two teams on by. So a little bit easier. Most of the players are gonna be available, but the teams that are on by, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers, full of fantasy, firepower. Uh, so, you know, there, there's still going to be quite a few holes to fill, uh, just not from, you know, a wide a swath around the league. And then a couple key matchups that we want to highlight as we potentially get into some, you know, punt plays, even for season long lineup setting the Dolphins at the Lions. That game is going to be nuts. Um, Tua was probably, you know, cut in many leagues and single QB leagues, redraft leagues. Um, and you know, last week was kind of a, a, a you know, a feeler game. You know, this isn't going to be a game where he announces himself as fully back. I've zero doubts about that. Um, that that's one that I think could really turn into a shootout as well. So it'd be fun to focus on that one and other matchups. Dave, how are you doing tonight, man?
2: I'm doing good. Um, I've had a chance now to review some of these. We've got a couple of exciting projections in there. Our teams are really starting to hit their stride, which always feels good. So I can't wait to get a sneak preview here of how these guys might do.
1: Oh man, you know the team that that we're really excited about. Um, it's it was our first of two main event teams that that we drafted. We're, we're now starting Jonathan Taylor. Um, oh, who is Jonathan Walker. Taylor? Kenneth Walker, and uh,
2: we also Josh Jacobs in that backfield, and, and Josh Jacobs.
1: <laughs> so you know we've got like three top eight running backs that were that were firing away on there, and you know uh, you know that was a that was a, you know hero RB team with Jonathan Taylor at the top, and then we you know we waited a long time. I think we got Jacobs in like the eighth round and yeah. Walker in the ninth round or something like that. So uh, exciting team, Dave. It's right at the cusp of the top two hundred. We've climbed like nine hundred spots in two weeks. Wow. So that team is on the up, man. All right. Well, let's go over to the GLSP and start diving in to some of the projections uh, for this weekend. So I'm going to dial it up here. It's on rotaviz.com. So if you stumbled upon this broadcast, oh, that's right, Dave, you have to share. <laughs> you, we found this out last week. I still, oh, right. I still have to update something on my stream yard with the new Mac. Okay. Uh, but if, if you stumbled onto this while well, Dave's pulling that up, if you stumbled onto this live stream, just on Twitter, you know, you don't know who Dave or I are, uh, or you've you know listened to the show, but haven't actually gone over to rotaviz.com. It's one of our 30 plus tools that we have on the site are the, the GLSP. And uh, Dave will share his screen and we'll go through some of the more notable uh, standout players at each position. And then also some deeper plays uh, as you get into some of your starts at conundrum. So you can see right away at the quarterback position to nobody's surprise, Josh Allen leading the way Joe Burrow now on a a little bit of a a mini tear over the last couple of weeks after his slow start. But then we see, you know, Marcus Mariota with uh, the rushing production, you know, continues to find his way into the top of the quarterback ranks. Not so sure that you can start him over some of the other quarterbacks that are named Daniel Jones, however, and Jimmy Garoppolo are names that I would trust uh, to to finish as QB ones um, uh, just based off of the strength of the weapons for Jimmy G and then for Daniel Jones, he's getting it done with his legs now, but that giants offense seems to be finding a little bit of stride now that Wandale Robinson is back in the lineup or I guess in the lineup for the first time I should say. And Saquon Barkley continues to be, I mean, you can set your clock to that guy. He's just so consistent this year, Dave, who stands out to you at quarterback for week eight? Well,
2: I think you, you hit, The players that I was going to mention, all three of them, uh, very impressive to see Marcus Mariota land where he does. And if we drill down into why the tool is coming out with this impressive line, uh, it is driven by that rushing production. Uh, He's expected against Carolina to put up nearly 40 yards and also 40 percent of the quarterbacks that he matches with scored touchdowns when facing defenses like Carolina's. As a result of that, Curtis, over thirty percent of his matches bested at twenty-five points. That gives him a very high seventy-fifth percentile projection this week of twenty-six point nine, and a fiftieth percentile GLSP of twenty point eight. So it is okay. hard to okay. ignore that.
1: <laughs> okay, I hear you. Uh, I've got a I've got a squad in the King's Classic that. Um, I've got Justin Herbert on by and I've not been carrying a QB two. And so, you know, some of these other guys are not going to be available. It's a 14 team league. I think Mariota was on waivers. You talked me into placing a feeler bid there, Dave, Uh, or, or should I say the GLSP talked me into it?
2: Yes. Yes. It it certainly did. Uh, Daniel Jones, also 40% of his matches uh, scored a touchdown his passing numbers a little bit lower but still had 24 of his matches best 25 points uh, so they become very intriguing options for teams in need of a quarterback if we're looking for players that at this point i've started thinking about who i'm going to write up in the glsp article as potential streamers oh. at quarterback Uh, Jared Goff is owned in less than 50% of ESPN leagues at this point has the most favorable GLSP of players that are likely to be widely available in your league. Andy Dalton actually projects decently as well. Um, I believe though there's, it's not exactly clear as to who the saints will be playing at quarterback this weekend. I think you
1: have to, you just have to keep an eye on that. But I mean, the Raiders, (laughs) just just smash the start against button on on that defense i i don't know they're not going to be able to guard alave there's not um and i think the saints are going to have michael thomas back as well so whichever quarterback does start and of course you know dalton had that crazy week last week where what he threw I think he threw like six total touchdowns. If you can count, if you count the two <laughs> pick sixes uh, that he threw, uh, you know. So I don't know if it's going to be him or if it's going to be Jameis. But I, I agree. That's actually a great spot to go. Uh, that's a little bit more under the radar. I think the yep. the attention will be on some of those um, names that you know can win with their legs a little bit. So good, good one to sneak in there. Let's head over to page two and just uh, check out a couple of those players as well. Um, I think that's low for Tua now it's probably pulling in. Is it pulling in his missed games here? Could that be driving him down? I mean, because it's certainly not the matchup against Detroit. I mean, yeah, players against no. defenses like Detroit should be smashed.
2: Um, you would not have missed games being pulled in. You would have games, games so that he did have to vacate early. Um, okay. Yeah. So that would contribute to it too. Also, sometimes we do see weird things. Yeah. Um, where even though the player is facing a bad defense for whatever reason, the type of profile that he has just hasn't worked out against those defenses, uh, which is always kind of interesting to see. Um, But I would agree with you. I'm expecting to, uh, to outperform what we're seeing here.
1: I also think uh, a little, it's a little bit more into desperation zone, but I think he's going to be available in basically every league did not have to spend, you know, waiver dollars on him. Uh, But if, if, you know, you're listening to this, on Wednesday morning or even if you're watching this live stream right now and you're like, oh, crap, uh, I didn't pick anybody up for Patrick Mahomes and my waiver deadline passed, Taylor Heineke I-, I think is going to be fine. Um, I think you can go ahead and pencil in like 16 to 18 fantasy points for him. Already showing that chemistry with Terry McLaurin. You know, the second start, the rust is going to be further off. So uh, if you miss out on those, those page one guys, you know, he would be another one on page two that I would mention. For sure.
2: So I think we've hit the quarterbacks. I wanted to talk about there. Let's go over to running back. We'll go to page one. Unsurprisingly, Curtis, uh, we see a number of players at the top here that have been really crushing it this year in Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. As you look through the rest of the list, I'll kind of let you take the first crack at if there's any interesting names. There's uh, one or two that I see here that I think are worth pointing out.
1: Well, we continue to see uh you know the the standouts of twenty twenty two climb up uh in, in this tool now. And Damian Pierce has been there for a while. It, I think this may be the highest we've seen Ramondre Stevenson. Yep. Um, and you know, congratulations to him. Um Christian McCaffrey, you know, I don't I don't know that it has a lot of appreciation for, you know, the scheme that he's in or anything, but um, you know, after last week kind of getting uh, I don't know, eased into the offense to expect a heavy workload for him. Uh, you know, the only other name that I would mention, I'm not sure that we've seen Aaron Jones on page one um, too often. So, you know, that's encouraging for uh, the Green Bay Packer. And then DeAndre Swift is expected to be back from injury this week as well. So uh, I think that's noteworthy.
2: For sure. The, the player I did want to draw some attention to here, it's really interesting to see Gus Edwards. Yeah. Handing. Yeah. In yeah. the top 12 here. Now, if we were to take a look in the NFL stat explorer, just to get a sense of the type of things that Gus Edwards has been doing. Uh, if you go back to 2020, because he missed 2021, you have some of those games pulling in here. Uh, he certainly helped by two 18 point game stretches that are getting into his sample. And of course the performance over the weekend where he put up 18 Point six points, saw 16 rushing attempts. Uh That type of volume will certainly boost things up. So what I would say is, though this is really exciting, uh, we have seen him limited already this week in practice. Yeah. And, you know, we're kind of this is really based off of one meaningful game ha- that has the context of this season. So it is encouraging, but there's a lot of things you're going to have to pay attention to there as the week unfolds. I think that uh, some of the more interesting plays come when we get on to page two. Uh, You see Kenneth Walker um, landing just behind Nick Chubb. They're both expected to land in that 11.5 to 12.5 point range. Eno Benjamin, though, Curtis, a name that I wanted to call out here, we see him solidly in RB2 territory. Now he's been helped out by the fact that the other backs there are banged up and the team has had to rely on him a bit more than you might expect. Uh, he's expected to put up, or I should say his matches produced an average of 10 rushing attempts for 46 yards, 30% scored a rushing touchdown, uh, averaged three targets, uh, almost three receptions in 18. Yards, So he does not have the upside that some of the other options in that range might Um, only 8% of his matches bested 20 points, but he does get um, more than like 35% or actually almost 40% into that 10 to 20 range. So I think it was interesting to see him land that highly Uh, Daryl Henderson. Uh, who we're looking forward to getting back on some teams also firmly in uh, RB2 range. And we'll just call out Najee Harris at this point now, slipping, uh, as you might expect, down to the projection of RB30 on the week. And he's just, you know, slowly creeping back each week.
1: We also see uh, Travis Etienne uh, down here. Obviously, we expect his workload to change. Uh, We know a little bit more about his situation than the GLSP uh, app does at this point of course with James Robinson no longer in town uh, w- another thing to mention on Henderson uh, we actually do have uh, some sample from earlier this season when the Rams played the 49ers and that's that's indeed the matchup this weekend uh, he had a very meager 727 zero line on the ground three twelve zero zero through the air of course uh, at that point that was in one of the couple games that uh, Cam makers was getting heavier run the 49ers do also have a very stout uh, defense against opposing fantasy backs.
2: Certainly. So the final couple of backs that I wanted to mention here, um, Khalil Herbert, Antonio Gibson, both in the nine point range, Uh, Alvin Kamara, as far as top running backs go, it's kind of interesting to see him finishing down, in like on the borderline here of being an rb3 also devin singletary not projected very favorably and he's a player that normally scores pretty well in the tool and for me as a player that um is always kind of borderline getting into my lineups he projects against the packers with just eight rushing attempts for 32 yards four targets for three receptions in 22 yards What the GLSP does not like for him this week is it sees very, very low potential given his uh, matches of getting into the end zone. And as a result of that, just 7% of his matches, Curtis, going for more than 15 points. And we actually see nearly 70% of his matches being held under 10. So it could be a rough week for Devin Singletary. Dalvin Cook also um, projecting much lower this week. Than you might expect, and I just have to call it out because I made a joke about this player the other day. But Latavius Murray
1: <laughs> with the forty
2: fourth highest uh, uh, average projection, man.
1: Yeah. yeah, he's he's still registering. He's got a, he's got a heartbeat. It's faint. <laughs> he got a heartbeat. Okay. Yep. Um, hey, we so we did get uh, we're getting some questions coming in on Twitter. Okay, uh, nice. Now as people are are watching the stream here. So, uh, what does the GLSP say? about Daryl Henderson versus Brian Robinson. I think, based off you flipping through there, it had Henderson, but let's put them head-to-head because it's one of the features of the tool, uh, which I think is great. Uh, you can, of course, look at the list, which we've been doing in this episode so far, but you have the comparison tab here, which Dave has flipped into, and now you can graph uh, or, or plot you know, the the 50 sim, uh, yep. not 50 sim uh, performances of the two players and see what comes up.
2: Yeah, so what you'll see here is it... Uh, it's not as large of a margin as I might have thought it would be. You have Henderson getting a couple of matches greater than 25. They are at the same percentages in the 20 to 25 bucket. Where you really see the difference is though, 17% of Henderson's matches went from 15 to 20, just 10% for Brian Robinson. Uh, and then 40% of his matches held under five, just 32% of Henderson's. So not a massive difference, uh, but this would lean in the favor of Henderson. Uh, I'm also inclined to say that I think if I had to come at this with the type of model that I might have in my mind, so more subjectively, I'd probably also lean toward Henderson. What do you think, Curtis?
1: Yeah, I just think the competition for touches is so different. Yeah. Um you know, I think both of these players, the, the type of players they are, you're hoping for touchdowns. Henderson is more likely, I think, to get a handful of targets than Robinson, you know, with Robinson competing for, you know, the passing game looks with Antonio Gibson uh, and JD McKissick. So I, I, I don't know. I think Henderson edges out, you know, on all the, the tiebreakers in terms of, you know, the attractive type of touches for fantasy. Sure.
2: Any other okay. running back questions, though? Sorry, I'll, I'll let you try. Uh,
1: yeah, no no other running. We do have some wide receiver and tight end questions, so I okay. think we can get to those uh, as we review those uh, positions. All right,
2: cool. So wide receiver, I don't know if we've talked about it yet. I think you might have highlighted this. Uh, the Miami Dolphins set up for a spot where they could absolutely yeah. crush. Tyreek yeah. Hill with an average of 21.2 points, a 75th percentile of 28.2 Looking very, very strong. Other players that you would expect to see at the top, like Adams, Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Diggs. Name probably worth calling out. DeAndre Hopkins coming off a 14 target, wow. 10 reception performance, yeah. already getting back into the uh, you know, top tier of our listing. Now, this is pulling in information for Hopkins. From last year, he projects against the Vikings with nine targets, six and a half receptions, 75 yards and half of his matches found the end zone. Gives him a very nice distribution, largely concentrated past 10 points. So we could see another exciting game from him. Uh, Devonta Smith, probably the biggest surprise that makes his way into the top of our listing this week. We do see Greg Dortch hanging around, um, but I'm going to say
0: I'm, I'm going to make
1: that an audio drop at this point. I feel like that's like we, we mention that every week at this point.
2: Yep. And I, yeah. I there, there's reasons why it's happening. But I think we know at this point yeah. that it's a, it's definitely an offense that has changed uh, in. I don't think that you're going to see Greg Dortch doing what he was doing early on in the season. But back to Devonta Smith, 8.7 targets, expected 6.1 receptions, 76 yards, and half of his matches found the end zone. He actually had around 24% of his matches going over 25 points, Curtis, which is pretty impressive. Uh, It is interesting that you also see... 24% 24% of his match is going between 10 to 15. So as high as concentrations come in those two buckets, I would say at the very least, though, it looks like this should be a solid outing for Smith with the potential for it to be a very high scoring outing for him. Uh, any player that you wanted to call attention to before we move on to the players from 13 to 24?
1: No, the, the comment that I have isn't even player specific. Yep. It, I mean, if this, if this dashboard view right here isn't the biggest advertisement for why you should draft zero RB, I don't know what is. <laughs> because, <laughs> right. you know, every single week we're pulling up the running back position and like there's really only three to four names that have been static on there, you know, for the balance of the season. And every single week we pull up the wide receivers and it's the same cast of characters. These roles are rock solid the upside that they have is, is just, you know, unmatched. And yeah, I mean, every single player that's listed there, um, you've, you've got a good return on your investment, uh, except for arguably maybe, uh, you know, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown just because he's missed a few games, but you know, that's obviously not his fault. Um, so yeah. And even then, I mean, it's it's a mid round draft pick and he's going to smash as healthy. So yeah, that's uh. That's my takeaway there. I mean, yes, no, there's no there's no wish there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it really stands out when you start looking through here. Um, other players that uh we could expect to have good games. Jacoby Myers, uh, mm. it does like has him behind Debo Samuel. I think it becomes a little bit harder to play Myers, um, given the uncertainty of what things are going to look like at quarterback this offense not looking very good uh, against the Bears on Monday night we'll have to see but Brandon Ayuk now with a couple of nice games with Garoppolo back under center produces an average of 15.4 points looks like a player that can definitely get into lineups fairly safely this week despite how things started off uh, to the year Chris Olave comes in behind C.D. Lamb In the middle of the wide receiver two tier, expected to put up around fifteen points. Curtis, I know you had mentioned it. Was that before we went live, or was that actually on air that you think he's just going to explode, or that the defense will not be able to cover him this
1: week? Yeah, I don't know which it was, but I feel like uh, the Raiders trying to play cover two. Like Olave is like the player you would draw up to be cover two. Like, yep. Yeah. Uh, good luck passing off that assignment as he blazes through the zone uh, at you know four three plus. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be murder for them to try to guard a but He's gonna have a great week.
2: Yep. Tyler Lockett had a pretty strong projection, fifteen point one points. Now it's going to be interesting if DK Metcalf is unable to play to see what Seattle does yeah. to make up for that. Um, so. You know, it could be hard to determine how much work shifts the way of Lockett, but at the very least looking like he should be positioned for success uh, in his matchup, getting a little bit lower on the list. We see Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry, DJ Moore, Drake London actually coming in Curtis at at the wide receiver three spot. Uh, Of course, it's been difficult sledding for London and Pitt's the last couple of weeks against Cincinnati saw just one target had just four targets against San Francisco. I might be more inclined to fade this to some degree, but people that drafted Darnell Mooney will be excited to see him coming in the highest that he has since the beginning of the season expected to put up around 11.6 points. He's ahead of players like Gabe Davis, uh, Chris Godwin, Josh Reynolds, Uh, Gabe Davis, Not expected to have the explosive type of performance that he has been accustomed to, uh, at least in some of the weeks this year, with just 11.2 points. Um, Interesting to see somebody like Matt Collins now finding his way in to the top 45, as well as George Pickens.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Yeah, uh, going back to Lockett just for a minute, as you highlighted him. If nothing else, you know we could look at his distribution, and it, I think make a pretty informed guess that his floor will be raised. Um, you know, DK. The most likely scenario is that DK is going to miss one week, and um, you know, the, the Seattle's at home in this matchup. You're not going to, you know, you're not DK is not going to play unless he absolutely can go. You're not going to risk the rest of your season when you're, you know, you're actually competing, Um, you know, and and DK is so vital to everything that they're doing there. Kenneth Walker has been running hot. I think they try to get by a game without DK, let him get fully healthy. So, you know, if we take DK's, you know, half dozen plus targets per game and give most of those to Lockett, you know, this still has been a concentrated offense um, from a, a passing volume perspective. And so, you know, I mean, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about Marquise Goodwin as the two now? I mean, I, you know, Will Disley, Noah Fant. I mean, it's a bunch of, it's a, it's a cast of characters that has not been bankable week to week to week. So I think the most likely thing that will occur is uh, Tyler Lockett will see increased target volume, you know, with just a smattering of involvement for the rest of the team. Sure. Uh, That being, that being said, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, wide receivers find their way to 15 plus PPR against the giants over the the past, you know, half dozen weeks or so per the NFL stat explorer. Uh, so yeah, I, I like his chances even more so than, than the GLSP are stating, I think.
2: Yeah, certainly. So I think we've hit the majority of players I wanted to talk about there. You see uh, Curtis Samuel, yeah. Um, coming in fairly low, Terry McLaurin fairly low. Of course, with the change at quarterback, it's hard to know how that might impact them. Do we want to field any of those wide receiver questions while uh, while we're here?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, one one thing, real quick, on those Colts wide receivers. You know, we could have some backup connection narrative going. You know, I, I would think during camp that uh, while they they were getting healthy, slash uh, getting. Acclimated to the team, Uh, both Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell probably got more reps with uh, Sam Ellinger than uh, Michael Pittman did. So, you know, Paris Campbell's actually been on a heater um, the past couple of weeks here, too. Um, And so I think that could be interesting to monitor. Dave, Paris Campbell has 41.7 PPR points the last two weeks. Uh, He's been a wide wide receiver one in each of the last two weeks.
2: With 23 Uh, targets in that
1: stretch. Yeah, he's he's really smashing, and now you know he he probably I'm going to say he's probably caught more balls from from Ellinger and or you know Nick Foles during camp than he than he did from from Matt Ryan probably, and 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 if he didn't, it was way it's way closer than than one might have thought. There's no way for me to prove any of this, but you know uh, Pierce as well. Uh, you know, Pierce, uh, I think they tried to have him as the wide receiver too early on and then, you know, wasn't really working out. He kind of worked work his way back into um, getting, you know, a lot of looks and, and he's had a couple of decent games so far this year. But I think you look you look for the guys from the second team, the guys from the third team to perform well uh, when the backup comes in. So, yeah, I, I have my eye on Paris Campbell for sure. I'm wondering if he can make it a third straight week with – Uh, a wide receiver one performance Dave I will go to one of our start sit conundrums we have yep so a couple of these main event teams we ended up pretty deep at the position so we thought during the draft but then it gets just a little bit more difficult uh week to week when some of these guys are struggling so let's pit Deontay Johnson versus Cortland Sutton once again I think we did it last week Yep. And, uh, you know, and, and, and Jacoby. Jacoby's the third one. So we've got to kind of go, you know, round robin with these three. Uh, last week, I believe Jacoby Myers um, won out. We'll have to see who wins this week.
2: Yeah. So Sutton comes in uh, ahead of Deontay Johnson in fairly convincing fashion, has him by about 10% um, between 10 to 15. At 15, to 20 and then also uh we see 10% of Sutton's matches going over 25. Uh Johnson does not get any of his matches into that range. Yeah. Uh in fact, around not around 49% of Johnson's matches went between 5 to 10. So, you know, he's very much sandwiched. Almost over 70% Curtis Uh, of his matches were held under 10 points. So not what you want to see from Deontay Johnson. So if we put up Cortland Sutton here against Jacoby Myers to round this out and compared their distributions, it actually does favor Jacoby Myers uh, as he is, has 16% of his matches going between 20 to 25 and another 16 over 25. So 32% of his matches going over, Twenty points, uh, so this would lean in the in the favor of Myers. Of course, the other thing that we have to talk about here is the possibility that Russ, Russell Wilson doesn't play and it's Brett Ripien, and how that might impact Cortland Sutton. So we'll have to pay attention to that, to both quarterback situations, really, and maybe revisit this one, uh, you know, before the weekend starts.
1: Yeah, three three teams in in shambles at the signal caller uh, position. I will say. Uh, Jacoby, despite, you know, playing with a couple different, well, I don't, I don't have week seven data in here in the weekly status for week
2: seven was not good.
1: Yeah. He, <laughs> he, before until week seven uh, he had not scored fewer than 10 PPR uh, in any game yet this season, which, you know, is far more consistent. Unfortunately, you know, Cortland Sutton has seen, uh, you know, he's seen his production really tail off each yep. of the last two weeks as well. Um, so we may have to continue to come back to this one, and, and it might be uh, might be the, the quarterback uh, availability that ultimately sways this one one direction or, or another. I did get a question. We can use this uh, for sure. flex purposes as well. Yep. Typically on the show we highlight, you know, same position, uh, players against one another, but a question has come in, James Robinson or Michael Gallup? So James Robinson switching teams, and we just saw this happen with Christian McCaffrey. It's kind of hard to get acclimated and have a big role uh, when you're moving during the course of the week. He will have, you know, an extra, what, 48 hours than CMC had. And Gallup just hasn't really, you know, gotten himself asserted uh, yet in this Dallas offense yet. So uh, let's see what the tool says.
2: So it would give a pretty significant edge here to Robinson as... Gallup has just uh, 3% of his matches going beyond 15 points. Mm. Um, You could argue, though, that his his floor is probably worse, too, than James Robinson's. But it's hard, right, because of the context of Robinson here. Uh, I definitely don't want to have to be choosing between these yeah. two players here. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a tough spot. man. I mean, I that's think I, I think I'd probably go Gallup despite what yeah. we're seeing the GLSP
1: say. Uh, yeah, that's the from the GLSP uh, perspective. It, it's a clear win for Robinson. I wanted to dive in just to see what types of players are having success um, in the, in these types of matchups in the NFL statics board. So I'm looking at James Robinson right now. He is facing off against Denver, and they, uh, they've been pretty friendly over the past five weeks to the running back position. So uh, they've allowed the eighth-most PPR to opposing running backs, the fourth-most uh, expected fantasy points to running backs over that span, and um, the 14th most or I guess you know, middling fantasy points over expectation. When you look into the types of backs who are getting this production against them and, and getting home, um, it's really both types of backs we've seen as well. I mean, we saw uh, uh, four, rushing, four rushing touchdowns in the past four weeks. Um, and in three of those four weeks, opposing squads rushed for over 100 yards using the running backs. However, we also see teams target the running back heavily against the Broncos. Actually, 18 targets uh, to the running back position in week six, thanks to uh, Austin Eckler so, being in that game. But even Sorry, in not, not to cut you off here, though. Yeah.
2: But is it Denver Jacksonville?
1: Oh, it doesn't have, we don't have J uh, Rob. right, J-Rob right. Trade over. hasn't, hasn't yeah. actually transacted yet in the system. So yeah, we got to break it down different then. Okay. Uh, I will have to come back. I will get back to you. Twitter user on the NFL Stat for breakdown the GLSP say J Rob Dave's gut says Gallup. And I will get back to you <laughs> on Twitter with uh, the breakdown of the jets backfield in their matchup this week.
2: Yep. All right does that bring us over to tight end? Yeah. All right, let's do it. So tight end, uh, as you might expect, Mark Andrews sits ahead of the pack with 17, uh, and a half points in his average GLSP followed by players like De- uh, TJ Hawkinson, David Njoku, Zach Ertz, Mike Gasicki getting some love this week. Did like Daniel Bellinger. Of course he, uh, Does not look like he'll be able to go. The most interesting name that you're probably going to see is Greg Delsich already uh, getting into uh, high territory here with an average GLSP of nine points. Of course, our boy Hayden Hurst rounding out the top 12 at the tight end position. Irv Smith also projected fairly nicely this week. On the year, Irv Smith is averaging, let me get the exact number for us here, Uh, he's averaging 7.3 PPR per game. Best game of the year for him came in week two against Philadelphia, where he put up his only wide receiver one performance of the year. Uh, He is projected with an average of 11 points, and Minnesota is playing uh, Arizona he's projected with 5.4 uh points or excuse me 5.4 targets 3.7 receptions and 60% of his matches found the end zone thus the very favorable projection. If we continue down the list uh we'll see trying to find if there anybody that stands out to you here Curtis as a, as a player that we need to mention. I mean tight end is just so ugly that once you get past the first page there's really not even a whole lot to break down.
1: Yeah. Well, on the first page, David Njoku looks like he's going to miss significant time as well. Yep. And so um, a player that I wanted to bring up as a potential stash uh, who really was an effective receiver uh, in college and has popped a couple times uh, in the NFL, Harrison Bryant. Uh, I think that he can he can assert himself in a, in a meaningful receiving role. I mean, the Browns have you know made real efforts to feature Njoku this season for the first time in, in his career. You know, it's, it's hard to really unpack whether that's due to them finally realizing Njoku's talent or whether they just think that featuring the tight end matches well with Brissett's skill set. Um, and I guess we won't really find out until we see, you know, a couple games without Njoku. But, on you know, I, I think there's enough there uh, that I would be interested in Harrison Bryant. I don't think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of waiver uh, smoke there. Uh, or, you know, fire underneath. So you can probably go pick him up after waivers clear if you found yourself uh, empty handed uh, after uh, you put in your fab uh, bids this week. The other thing that I wanted to mention with Dulcich, man, um, I mean, 12 targets the past two weeks, does have a, a receiving touchdown. And, you know, one of the start sits that came in on Twitter was start Kyle Pitts or Greg Dulcich. And I think it's super fair, man. Like it is. I, I can't. I can't answer Pitts in good conscience, man. Like I can't. Yeah. Like I, I. I. I think you should start Greg Dulcich over Kyle Pitts.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you think about the likelihood of the opportunities that these players are going to have to get fantasy points, you really just can't put it towards Pitts. Doesn't matter how talented the guy is. That situation is just so bad. And maybe he's not even as talented as everybody thinks. We really can't even decipher that given the limited amount of opportunity that uh, we're seeing for him. So at this point, yeah, I I agree. Feels nuts to say. But uh, yeah, you got to go with Greg.
1: I mean, okay. Pitts has scored more than five PPR one time in six games this year. So this is not like this is a big sample size. In this iteration of the Falcons offense, Pitts is not it. So yeah, um at Vasher. No, not at Vasher. Uh at Eric D sixty-six, you are uh, more than welcome to start Greg Dulcich. <laughs> Yeah, for, for those on the podcast, Dave's uh, facial expression was priceless. There, uh, <laughs> almost as priceless as he was like earnestly trying to warn me from going full Ron Burgundy, just reading what's on my screen, thinking that James Robinson was still on the Jaguars. Gonna...
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it was a easy, easy. <laughs> I was in a easy... flow
1: state, and you didn't. And I, I just couldn't be interrupted. But yeah, yeah well, fun times.
2: Yeah, you know, sometimes it's better to stop things. When they're halfway <laughs> than when, they, when you get to the, when you get to the end. Um, oh, any other it. questions or have we, uh, have we gone through everything? I mean, I think this week, uh, you know, not as many, uh, tight end to talk about as, as weeks prior. We
1: did, we do have one more flex, uh, question that I nice. uh, just popped in. It's actually a two PPR premium for tight ends. Um, so an extra half point, even versus what we see in the FFPC format, And it's Flex, Isaiah McKenzie, or Jawan Johnson.
2: All right. Oh, this is a fun one.
1: Yeah. Those are definitely two players I've never pitted head-to-head in this tool before.
2: All right. So one thing that we will do here is just look at Jawan Johnson's stat line to determine how much of this is coming from receptions. Um, His average, based upon his comps, is 2.7 receptions. Um, so
1: the boost that he's going to get, how many points did we say it was? Well, it'd be 5.4 then because it's a two PPR premium. Yep. So, what was that line? That line was 2.7 for 29 and 0.3 touchdowns. Yep. 26. So, 5.4, what is that? Seven and then a third of a touchdown. Uh, 8.2 would be like 8.2 PPR, I think. Okay. Okay.
2: All right. And then just to give us a comparison here, McKenzie draws 3.2 receptions, 35 yards and 0.3 yeah. touchdowns. So yeah. you're probably looking at something fairly similar when you actually look at their distributions, which uh, I don't know favors Johnson to some extent, depending on how you look at it. Right. Cause Isaiah McKenzie, Does have a very slim percentage going over 25. Um, It's kind of a hard one here, though, right? Because Johnson has so many underneath five that, uh, of course, you have to factor that in. It's a bit of a toss up here, Curtis. I'm actually not sure that the GLSP can can give you a confident direction to go unless you interpret this graph differently.
1: Well, I mean, so let's just think about the nature of the question. If you're actually having to flex, like we're not talking about the starting Juwan Johnson at tight end. We're talking about maybe having to flex him. <laughs> so you, you have to flex Ju- Juwan Johnson yep. or Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, d- like you can throw the floor out the window. Like yeah. neither one of these players has a floor. Um, there, there just isn't one. So I think, I think it's a ceiling only mm-hmm. uh, situation and, you know, it, it it seems like so. Okay, yeah, uh, you've got
2: to you've got yeah. to break this tie here by looking at Isaiah McKenzie thirty four percent, ten to fifteen, Juwan Johnson 12, 10 to fifteen, and then you do have McKenzie with some players up in that above twenty five.
1: But but even even within this distribution, this distribution isn't adjusted for this manager's right. two PPR situation, and so I think you know when when you look at that fifteen to twenty and twenty to twenty five and above twenty five, I mean those games would be even bigger. Uh, then they appear here for Johnson if we adjusted for the two PPR. So I, I, I like that Saints Raiders game better than I like this Bills Packers game as well. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I would lean Johnson here. And that was from Cody Holland at school squ- at Scoogy. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, Cody Holland. We will take Juwan Johnson here. So Curtis will anyway,
2: this, this really highlights one of the things that I talk, uh, uh, I, I find myself, at least the people that I talk to about fantasy football in real life, that I find reminding them a lot of these things that you agonize and then you, you beat yourself up for hours over on Sunday when one player goes, you know, for 25 and the player that you played instead gets like four points. These are things where, you know, you're going to get these decisions wrong a lot right when you're making decisions between two players like this which sometimes you have to there's no great science
1: here no it's it's Isaiah McKenzie and Juwan Johnson man <laughs> um so like the, I, I wouldn't want to try yeah uh it this this is a 50 game sample i think if you if we could adjust it on the fly yep, uh to to solve for the 2 PPR and and, and the in my opinion the the better matchup uh the Saints against the Raiders this is Johnson hands down for me.
2: Yep. And if it doesn't work out
1: we will live. And I'll just blame it on these players being bad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it'll be fine man. It'll right. be fine.
2: Do we have a- anything else we need to hit before we uh, close out?
1: Um let me just uh, take one last look here. Uh I think oh yeah, I wanted to look at defense. We don't oh, we've yes. only done this one other time this season. Uh, But I want to remind people uh, that this is a great way to identify some streaming defenses. And Dave, we're in a situation where on both of our main event teams on on one of them, uh, we've been rolling with Denver for the past month or so. Uh, They were running hot a little bit, but then the last two weeks they've fallen off and the whole team has kind of fallen off. It's not a defense. I really want to, I really want to chase anymore. We do have Minnesota coming back from by uh, and the other on the other squad and Denver is probably cuttable, but my my question for both of these, I guess, is you know one, you know who are some good streamers, uh, according just in general according to the GLSP this week, and then two, does Minnesota rate highly enough that we don't have to try to replace them and Denver on the team where we've been rostering two two defenses? Sure. Well, and I'll it, start- looks like a, <laughs> it looks like a no.
2: <laughs> Minnesota yeah. is at the bottom of the pack this week. Yeah. Um. So they are not an option. I very honestly cannot speculate as to which defenses could be streamers based upon availability, um, but I'll hit some of the teams that
1: I. I'm think just looking for those ceiling games, man. Like that. Like this is you know we're we're playing and we're playing in some All right. you know, New England, jackpot Cincinnati,
2: situation. Dallas, Indianapolis, Tennessee, Atlanta, the Rams, Saints, and Commanders and Raiders. Uh, would have the best ceilings if you're looking for something yeah, in that range.
1: Yeah, they're yeah. all eleven and higher, and and a couple of those teams are definitely going to be, you know, available. Fal- Falcons are, are uh, widely available. Titans are going to be available yep. in a fair number of leagues as well, uh, and the Raiders are not a highly rostered uh, defense either. So those are three good options that I think that we can explore. We can uh, on you know on our own time we will look at the strength of schedule streaming app and see what type of, you know, upcoming matchups each of those defense has, uh, you know, if we're going to spend some fab on them, it'd be great to be able to use them for a couple weeks and not have to go back to that. Well,
2: yep, definitely. So it's always a great way to address that position, looking at the GLSP, getting a couple of options for the current week, then popping into the strength of schedule streaming app and seeing if any of those defenses could be used for multiple weeks. So that takes us through our week eight projections preview Thursday night. We will get into the passing game matchups and make a little bit more sense, perhaps of some of the players that we've talked about. So taking it even a step further, any parting words, Curtis, I think we, what's up. Roto-B? Oh, wow. He's going to do me like that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.